0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
1: Hi. Hi. Hi from our future or our past selves. Which is it? I think past selves. I think past selves. Hi from our past selves because we are re-airing an episode, an old episode today. Yes. A very popular one. Yes. About perfectionism. You put that in the notes and it's true. It was a very popular yeah. episode from 2001 about perfectionism. 2021. Woo.
0: Yeah. Wow. What if you know, we did we it in been, 2001? We, that would have we been have been
1: podcasting for a long time. Just not that long. <laughs> oh yeah.
0: God, Claire. Um, so. See, not, this is not about perfectionism. This intro, no. that is absolutely for certain. <laughs> Which is the whole point of this episode where we're, we're going we're talking about how to
1: like, how to not be such perfectionists.
0: And if you listen to this episode, the first go around and are thinking about, you know, wanting to dig more into the topic, there's a new book out called Big Feelings by Molly West Duffy and Liz Fosslian um, that might scratch that itch. We have not read it yet, but it feels like very in this wheelhouse. And if you haven't mm-hmm. read Claire Mazur's personal Bible. Oh, my God.
1: Personal Bible. I lent it out with my highlights and notes, and I, it hasn't come back to me yet. I Excuse need it back.
0: Excuse you. Uh, well, four thousand weeks by Oliver Berkman. Like this is this is the book. Yeah. This is the book. Yes. Um, a minor obsession.
1: Mm-hmm. Enjoy. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep
0: dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Maser. And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from and want to support us in general, head to thingor2hq.com and sign up for a Secret Menu, which will get you weekly access to members-only content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave
1: us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ As a reminder, we offer free ad reads to Black-owned businesses, so hit us up at podcast at a thing or twohq.com if you're interested. This episode, we're going to talk about something that plagues me, uh which is remembering people's
0: names. Here's our time peg for this. Yeah. Soon <laughs> you might meet new people who don't have their names underneath them in their Zoom boxes, which I hadn't
1: even thought to appreciate and then I was like, "Wow, this is actually amazing for me." I when we talked about doing this episode, I pointed out that you're really good at remembering people's names and you feigned or were actually surprised uh, at that?
0: I I am surprised. I, think I you're don't feel incredible that way at all. At it. I, I assume really? that you prided yourself on it because I find you to be it, like incredibly consistent about it. I don't think so at all. I think of you as someone who knows the name of everyone who's ever been on America's Next Top Model and that that is impressive. You know, that's a fair point. Like, if you were a bit
1: character in a rom-com whose Wikipedia page I decided to fall down into. If you were a contestant who got eliminated in the first round of America's Next Top Model season seven, I absolutely recognize you when you walk down the street and know your name, or if we happen to sit next to you at an airport bar, which has happened.
0: We'll strike up a conversation. <laughs> yeah. And then I have to be like, we got to go. We gotta, like, <laughs> can't keep this up.
1: But should we be in a conference room with four people that we never met before and are just learning what all of them do, I'm not going to remember any of their names because I'm so busy, like, just just sort of like getting into the moment and like sizing everybody up and doing the thing. And you remember everybody's name and what they do.
0: Well, here's the thing. I think that it's very easy in those contexts, especially to forget that you're supposed to be trying to remember. That is
1: exactly right. I never remember. In that moment where someone's like, hi, my name is, I'm thinking about everything else except what their name is.
0: And I, yeah. and I hate and, myself And you have to for like it. consciously be like, this person, Melissa, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to need that information later. So I must store it away for later use because that will come up on a future date.
1: I'm... Thirty-eight years old, I think. Yeah. Uh is that accurate? You're thirty-seven. Okay. But yeah, go on.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> cool. I'm thirty-eight years old. Yeah,
1: I'm thirty-seven years old. I've yeah. been meeting new people for most of my life. I yeah. never can, I never can get that right. That as soon as I meet them, I meant to remember their name.
0: I think you spend a lot of your time and attention in those situations taking in visual cues. Mm, um, thank you. Um, and <laughs> thus aren't as like attuned to the linguistic aspect of the first meeting.
1: I love this really kind and generous <laughs> analysis. That's not just like, you're so fucking up your own ass and thinking <laughs> about yourself that you could never be bothered to remember someone else's
0: name. Thank well, you. Well, you could tell like after a meeting, you could certainly be like that lady across from us and yes. I'll be like, Melissa. Yes. You'd be like, she was wearing yeah. like this, That is and true. Could, like explain all of that. That is absolutely so, true. you know, yeah. So yeah. part of why my- I, came up is because
1: I'm obsessed with this mechanism, this technique for Mm. making someone else remember your name that has now Mm. come up twice for me, like very far apart. Chris and I had like a favorite bar slash restaurant in our old neighborhood years and years ago. And there was this very young, scrawny bartender, like I can't imagine he was even old enough to be a bartender who introduced himself and he goes, I'm Martin, like Martin Luther King. And I never, ever forgot his name. How could one? It was so like, what? Like, I just like, A, just to say Martin. I I don't care what you look like. If you say I'm Martin like Martin Luther King, I'm not going to forget your name. No, no.
0: But especially- It's a bold
1: (laughs) thing to say. Especially if you're a scrawny young white kid and you're like, I'm Martin like Martin Luther King. And then I thought of it again because just the other day, somebody was like doing some work at our neighbor's house. And he introduced himself to be like, if you ever need this work done to your own house. And I was like, all right, give me your number. What's your name? And he goes, I'm Dylan. Like, or he, yeah, he goes, I'm Dylan, like Bob Dylan. I was like, oh, I just the last thing I expected to come out of your mouth. I'm always going to remember now that you're Dylan. No, I can't remember the person that I just sat in a 90 minute meeting with. I don't know that person's name, but the guy who just told me he's Dylan, like Bob Dylan, I will absolutely remember it. And I loved it. And I was like, "I do I like what is my version of this? How do I totally? How do I do this? Like
0: Claire, like Claire Huxtable, Claire, like Claire Danes. I don't know. Totally, totally. I think, yeah. I don't know. I mean, you used to do Claire from Delaware. Yeah, um, I also, and that used to be your tick, and I thought that that worked quite well because you know that rhyming, that rhyming thing.
1: The thing I started doing when you and I like partnered up because people would have would mm. fair enough not remember which one was erica and which one was claire i would be like i'm claire the one with the curly hair be- and yes. that would be i'd be like maybe that's helpful to you to keep us apart um, yes
0: i've never done this except with my last name mm. um, partially for pronunciation sake and in that case i have done cerulo like cerulean blue mm-hmm. that's good And like that helps people, anyone who's like, you know, used Crayola crayons, that it mostly helps that (laughs) segment of the population. Yeah, exactly. This
1: methodology, I guess, can also be flipped around. So like you can use it to help yourself remember other people's
0: names, even if they aren't giving you these weird clues. Like you can create mnemonic devices of your own or whatever. Yeah. I
1: read this TED article that was like, basically make weird associations. So like if someone's name is Scott Morrison, picture a Scottish terrier chasing the doors, Jim Morrison, which is really weird. I agree completely. I think, I think you got to just say like, this guy is Scott Morrison. Like Scott. I can't even think of a a famous Scott. The guy from Stone Temple Pilots. Is that guy named Scott? Like Michael Scott. Michael Scott. Yeah, something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I Scott Speedman. Scott Speedman. <laughs> that's the right one. I just think that that, uh, that, that is maybe if, if I could remember to do it the way that I'm going to help myself remember other people's names. The other thing that always gets brought up in conversation about this is people say, like, repeat the person's name three times in conversation immediately after. So you'd be like, hi, I'm Erica. And I'd say, oh, my gosh, so nice to
0: meet you, Erica.
1: And then later I'd be like, Erica, I love your hair. And Erica, have you heard about this new restaurant?
0: I am both very charmed and very weirded out by people Mm -hmm. who say my name to me too much. Is that the right? Is that like the right reaction? I agree. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Because we can both picture the type of male that does it.
0: Yes. Um. Tom Cruise is at one end Mm -hmm. of that spectrum, but the spectrum is long, wide, whatever. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. yep,
1: Yeah. No. Yeah. Because it's always a male. And, yeah. you know, and maybe like that male has read whatever self-help book originated this technique. It's probably like Dale, Dale Carnegie, Carnegie something. <laughs> Exactly. The thing, the the secret that I'm dying to know without having to go through the training to become a bar method instructor Mm. is to know how bar method instructors do it. Because when you enter a bar method class with an instructor who you've never met before, they know your name and I don't understand it. This is like, even if you haven't signed up in advance, they know your name and they will call you out in the middle of the class and be like, Claire, get a little lower. Claire, heel higher, whatever it is. Claire, like tuck your butt. And I have to know what the technique is because they all get it right. It's it's incredible to me.
0: Okay. So if, I think this is where I would like to bank a call for people. If mm-hmm. they know, if they are a bar method instructor or they yep. know anyone, get to the bottom of this for us. Call <laughs> us, email us, DM us. We would yes. like to know. We need this information. We
1: need it. We need it. Because we're all going <sighs> to be meeting people again soon. And like you said, their name is not going to be at the bottom of their Zoom window. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. You know, one of the most insidious things I think about burnout is that when you're moving so fast and feeling so exhausted by it, you don't have the mental clarity to realize that you actually have to pause. And instead, your brain's just like, I have so much to do and I have to keep going and I couldn't possibly
0: stop to do something to help myself feel better. Well, it's like all the memes that are like, I just have to get through today, tomorrow, this week, this year. like. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the thing is that therapy is one of those
1: things where once you make time for it, you realize that not only do you have the time, but like you have you have to do it. It doesn't matter. It's a non-negotiable. It's like brushing your teeth. like Whether or not you have the time to do it, you got to do it because everything else is going to be worse if you don't.
0: It forces a pause. It's like a comma, right? It's It's a comma in your day. (laughs) Exactly. Life can be overwhelming and many people are burned out without even knowing it. Symptoms can include lack of motivation, feeling helpless or trapped, detachment, fatigue, and more. We associate burnout with work, but that's not the only cause. Any of our roles in life can lead us to feel burned out. And BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to prioritize yourself. Talking with someone can help you figure out what's causing stress in your life. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and A Thing or Two listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash a thing or two. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash a thing or two. Relationships are hard and that's why I'm here. Hey friend, it's Kimmy Crawford. Think of me as your big sister slash audible BFF that you can always trust to give you the real tea. This is my show, Relationship, the advice podcast that covers all relationship topics, the good, the bad and the straight up shitty. Need advice? Send your story to hello at relationshippod.com or DM me at relationship on IG and tune in for new episodes every Friday. Be sure to follow us and subscribe so you don't miss all the hot goss. And if you're loving the show, please leave us a review. Talk soon bestie okay something else we wanted to talk about Mm -hmm. today friends hold on to your butts um (laughs)
1: perfectionism oh we had an incredible moment where we were going back and forth with a client on a project a consulting project we were working on and he asked to redo something that like he was going to have to pay extra for because it wasn't, it was like not, it was like a heavy lift and it was like
0: a matter of taste or like, yeah, yeah. It was was a very specific thing.
1: It was outside of scope. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so we wrote him back and said, cool, totally on board to do that. Here's how much it'll cost. And he wrote back. That's totally fine. My friend told me the other day, perfect doesn't cost. It pays. My friend works for an extremely old rich lady, and I'm sure this is directly her extreme old slash rich slash lady wisdom. So I've been applying the concept to absolutely everything, this included. (sighs) Perfect doesn't cost, it pays. You have thought about this every day since he wrote (laughs) this.
0: Like for sure, right?
1: Absolutely. I have an iPhone note that just says perfect doesn't cost it pays because when I went to bring it up another time, I like didn't get it exactly right. And I was like, that can't happen again. I need to get it exactly right.
0: Maybe you just need a small tattoo on your inner arm (laughs) and then it'll be right there.
1: I loved it so much. Like it spoke to me deeply because I, (laughs) because I, because I'm, well, one, I'm, like, always willing to shell out the extra money for perfect, you know? Like, and I, like, I'll use anything to soothe whatever guilt I'm harboring about that. I also just, like, this is rich in every sense of the word. Like, it is rich. Rich,
0: rich, rich, rich. and Rich is Hollandaise sauce, this quote. That's
1: right. (laughs) That is right. And it's, like, also, I think, useful in a lot of cases. And I just, I just really, I... I was just going on like long runs, just meditating on this concept. Like, when is it useful? When is it not? And it just so happened that shortly after that happened, I started reading the book, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, which we talked about in a previous episode that had just been coming up a lot. So I was like, all right, what's the deal with this? And she is really like anti-perfectionism. And then we both read Yoke by Mary H.K. Choi, which has a really interesting passage on, on perfectionism. And I was just like, I think that this goes hand in hand also with our discussion of ambition. Totally, like, totally. It has served us really well and it also doesn't always serve us. And like, well, there's and something to be said. understanding of
0: it and like its place in society is shifting mm-hmm. um, and maybe it's becoming like a little worn down as a concept. Absolutely. Right? I also, th- yeah, big time. I also think,
1: you know, something that I regret not getting into more of in our discussion around ambition was how shaped our ideas about it are by this idea of like being a woman and being a feminist and like what it means to be a woman today and what it means to be a feminist today and how part of, of that means being ambitious and being perfect and like doing everything right. To
0: serve, to like serve women well or whatever. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And, And the fact is it just, it doesn't always serve us. The other like factor at play, I think in this entire discussion is like, it's not just about women, but like what type of woman you are, what you look like. I, and this became really obvious because right away I was like, all right, who are our, like icons of perfectionism? Right. And it's like Beyonce, J. Lo, Michelle Obama. And then who are the icons of imperfectionism who have made us more comfortable with the idea of being imperfect? It's Phoebe Waller-Bridge. It's Jennifer Lawrence. It's Glennon Doyle. And so like right away, you're like, cool, who gets to be imperfect? White,
0: White women.
1: Who do we demand perfectionism from? Women of color. And and that also gets to like, you know, it, it, it gets to like all these bigger discussions around class and gender and, and race and, yeah, who is allowed to be imperfect. And so even just like the ability to have this discussion, I think, is like is tinged by our own place in society and our privilege and like what we can project without
0: feeling like people will judge us for it you know. Oh, uh, aren't all conversations. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to a recent episode of Jam Session the other day talking mm-hmm. about uh, J-Lo specifically. And there was an oral history of J-Lo and in Style that was being discussed. And they were talking, uh, Amanda and Juliet were talking about how when talking about J Lo, it's always brought up how hard she works mm-hmm. and like her work ethic. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with Beyonce, that like it's all that's always brought up that like yeah. she has such work ethic, she works so hard. And I was grateful for the fact that these women are getting credit for yeah. the work that they put yeah. in it also just made me a little sad. Yeah. Um, Like, I don't want them to have to work so hard. I don't want people to have to strive to feel like they have to strive to make things perfect or like, you know, just like flawless or like that, just like that idea of flawless is like so fucked. Um, Yeah. I just like don't want that for any of us to the point where it feels like, oh, this is my personality trait. I work really hard or like I'm a perfectionist or whatever. I
1: think that's such an important point. And it was interesting too because the way that was framed, I listened to that episode too and something that Juliet says is she was like, I think it's, does such a service to women everywhere that JLo says, I work really hard yes. to get this. Yeah, and that yeah. Beyonce says, I work. And yeah. she's right about that. Yeah, that, totally. like It's not helpful to think they woke up like that to, no, to bring this no. back to Beyonce. Like it doesn't <laughs> no. do any of us a service to think that they just like fell ass backwards into that. And at the same time, yes, you put it beautifully. Like, I don't want that for anyone to feel that they have to like sacrifice themselves in that way to their, in order to achieve success and in order to achieve happiness and notoriety and, and, and status. I also, in thinking about this, thought a lot about it feels really related to this like concept of the Protestant work ethic and this idea that we like need to prove to ourselves that we are good and virtuous and destined for heaven by demonstrating our work ethic and demonstrating how perfect we are. When in fact, like none of that has anything to do with virtue no. at all. And it like, and that all drives the system. Like that all drives capitalism and that drives white supremacy. And like that, like that's how system is Our value our is not
0: our, our output. Our value is not our work, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Exactly. And so like taking a step back and being like, why do I feel the need to be perfect? And like, who is that serving? And what systems is that serving? Is all like useful. And now, come 2020, 2021, like to project this era of perfectionism just feels incredibly out of step with where everybody else is, like mentally, emotionally, financially, whatever.
0: Oh, totally, totally. And if the idea of like having it all has frayed since, you know, the like can women have it all article came out in two thousand and twelve, oh, God <laughs> feels like a true lifetime ago. Uh, yeah. Um last year has just really normalized the idea of dropping balls. And mm-hmm. like, what do we do with that going forward? How can right. we how can we like keep up that energy? Or can we? I don't know. I'm
1: super curious about it because I do think it has been really easy to rely over the last year on that as an, I don't want to say an excuse, but an explanation, we'll say. Yes. Right? Yes. Even just, I was just thinking about it with... um, I've been uh, procrastinating as one does on getting uh, my tax stuff prepared. And I was emailing with my accountant. Unrelatable. Yeah, totally (laughs) unrelatable. I was feeling really guilty and ashamed about it because I was like, she knows this about me. I'm so like fucking predictable when it comes to this stuff. And she wrote back, she was like, no worries at all. I feel like taxes are the last thing on anybody's mind right now. And I remember being surprised that she offered that up for me as an excuse because I was like, but, but aren't we like kind of getting out of this? Now, aren't people's lives returning to normal? Do I still get to rely on that as an excuse? Like, I was like, that's so generous. Do I to still have this out? But, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. When in fact, like at this point, we've all adapted, not even that we're like out of the pandemic, but like most of us have, a, a lot of us have adapted to it in some way, you know? Yeah. Or that like, well- The expectations
0: I, around the rest of our lives have like gone back to a certain kind of like, of course you'll get this work done in or a way, of course you'll right. achieve this thing or like whatever, whatever.
1: And I realized that like, does that, Is that where we are headed? Are we headed back into this place where we are not making allowances for people because we're like, well, you have childcare now. Well, you you can leave the house, whatever it is. Are we no longer being as generous and forgiving with people? Or are we like, actually, this is what people's real lives are like and we need to make room for that.
0: Right, making the allowance for the fact that people no matter what the circumstances, have lives and have other shit going on that you do not know about, that you will never know about, that you do not need to know about, but that you should just accept as the reality (laughs) because we are all humans.
1: I mean, that's such an important part of, of it and an important part of like this idea of perfectionism too. You just don't know what other people have going on. And like, maybe it's something terrible or maybe it's like 72 assistants that are helping them to look perfect.
0: That's right. That's right. And also, I, I think it has felt easier for me to recognize perfectionism as a genuine flaw, even when people mm-hmm. are positioning it as a virtue, which I yep. think maybe three or four years ago, I would not have been able to say, mm, but like, you know, the old, like the old, like interview trope of like, tell me one of your flaws. I'm a perfectionist. Like mm-hmm. now hearing that it's like, I don't want to hire that person. Like, I don't want that person right. on my team. That person's perfectionism feels like it's a holdup. It's like keeping them from getting work done. Like yeah. there's someone who can't suffer feedback or making mistakes or who can't just like do the work and move mm-hmm. forward. Yeah. Um, and that's just like not what I want in anyone that I have to interact with on a like a uh, daily basis. I 100%.
1: Get that, and it and and I it was one of the things that became really crystal clear for me with the Yoke passage that we both yeah. really liked, which yeah. I will just I will read it to you. So Yoke is this novel by Mary H K Choi, and in this little bit that I'm going to read. The character is talking about her therapist. She said, she said that there was more than one type of perfectionist and that I qualified because the kind of perfectionist I was, was the kind that abandoned everything if I wasn't good enough at it. And that's why I couldn't finish tasks. Meanwhile, I thought you had to be Natalie Portman from Black Swan to be a perfectionist, all shivering from malnourishment and 18 hour practices. But she's right. I'd rather fail outright than be imperfect. And I was like, Yes, like there's <laughs> absolutely more than one type of perfectionist, and I, I wanted to skip this immediately because when you talked about people working for you, like, or working with you, who who suffer from this, it was like, yes, I can absolutely picture. I think especially sometimes people earlier in their careers, right, yeah. who like really yeah. want to get it right, and you're like, where is this thing I asked you for five hours ago? I know you're totally capable of it, and then you realize in retrospect that they were like shivering at their desk, freaking out, being like, but I can't, and I don't, and I just, and I don't want to. I don't want you to think I'm imperfect. I don't want to disappoint you. Whatever, and it's like, no, just give me the thing. Just give me, give me the, th- the thing. I need the thing. I need yeah. the thing. I need yeah. the thing. Which uh, the thing that I when when I read this yoke passage, is I thought about the two of us, because yeah, I always think that between the two of us, you are the perfectionist, and like in some sort of like textbook ways, I think that that is true. Like you are very accurate. You're very precise. It's very like cross your T's, dot your I's. And then when it is done, it is done. And like you will never miss a deadline. And like rarely do you even get something in on deadline. It's like well before deadline. And that's really important to you.
0: Totally. I really pride myself on not missing deadlines. There are times when I'm certain that the like work would be better if I wasn't so hung up on being Reliable mm-hmm. and conscientious, and yeah. like if I didn't see those as defining characteristics, yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I, I I do hold on to like a lot of that, and you know, I've I've like found too much positive reinforcement for this behavior, unfortunately. Yeah. And I I was thinking of this time when a younger writer told me, and my sourcing on this is incredibly spotty and I'm certainly misquoting things, but Mm -hmm. I'm, do it anyway. Yeah. um, Because this is not about perfection. (laughs) Um, So this writer told me that she had a conversation with a magazine editor, Mm -hmm. an editor-in-chief who told her something like, if you hit your deadlines, you will be like at the top of everyone's list to work with ahead of like 80% of other journalists because Mm -hmm. you get the fucking work done.
1: Right. Like it doesn't even matter if your work is as good as the other person's, but no. you got it in on time. No, totally. exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: And it, it brought me to this Elizabeth Gilbert quote that we will we'll like circle back and talk mm-hmm. about big magic in a minute where she says, mere completion is a rather honorable achievement in its own right. What's more, it's a rare one because the truth of the matter is most people don't finish things. And I think that is like kind of how I see myself as yep. someone who like if they say they're going to do something, they're going to do something. You
1: are very much that person. You are very, very much that person. And I and like I have taken so much from that. And I, you know, we talk about rising to meet each other's standards. And I certainly have become more like that because of you. And I have also just watched the way that that works on a psychological level, and have been like, okay, that's useful and helpful. Yeah. But I suffer from a very different type of perfectionism that where I that is more like the person who's just like paralyzed by it. And and, and that is that I just like want to work something over until it's better and better and like is the best it could possibly be. And I stay up at night if I think I've turned something in or like put something out into the world that's not as good as it's going to be. Which, by the way, makes podcasting like a really complicated thing (laughs) because I do just weekly have to put it out into the world. And like 50 to 90% of the time email you and be like, can you edit out that thing? Cause I think I fucked that up. But like I can't go back and listen. And no. I mostly have to just not think about what happened on the podcast because if I think too hard about it and think too much about how many people are listening, I will absolutely just be crippled with anxiety and be like, I can't do it anymore. But I always am like in the rear view mirror, can it be better? Can it be better? Wait, let's look at it one more time. I mean, even you and I were on a call the other day about a deck that needed to go out that had been we were, it had been looked at by a million different people. We'd been working on it literally for a year now. And the person was like, all right, I think we're ready to send it out. And I was like,
0: I gotta 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 scan through this one more
1: time. It was like slacking being like, but we gotta just update this thing in the footer. It's gotta be perfect.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Totally. I'll do it right now. Well, I think your example about the podcast is a really good one because I think something as I was thinking about these two different, uh, the two different forms that our perfectionism takes Mm -hmm. is that because of these two different forms, we actually shave the edges off of each other's mm-hmm. perfectionism um, yeah. or like the like the downfalls that it could have for yeah. each of us. So like my insistence on like deadlines and schedules and like, you know, ha- like doing something at the same time every week or whatever, yes. it means you only have so much time to mull things over. And yeah. but you can't like, Once a newsletter goes out, it goes out. You can't, what you're going to say, (laughs) a correction. Like that doesn't work. Um, We've all seen companies trying to do that. Um, And then your insistence upon working something over and over until it's its best means that I have to look in the rearview mirror more and we have to like rehash things or course correct in ways that I'm just naturally less apt right. to do.
1: No, you're very much like once you've made the decision, you've made the decision and you're not yes. questioning it. And yes. that's like how you go about life. And and I have to say, and it's good too, because it has intimidated me out of trying to think too much about things sometimes after the fact where I'm like...
0: Because you know it'll be met with like... A, oh, Wait, 100%. Doing this? It's like, <laughs> like
1: if I go back to you and I'm like, I really want to change that thing, even though I know we've already edited it four times... It's because I'm like really feeling a way about it because if I wasn't, I'm like, I know the look I'm going to get from Erica (laughs) and I know that, and I'm just, and I'm often shocked when you're open to it too if you're like, yeah, I think you're right. I'm like, well,
0: because I also think I know that. I know that if you're coming to me, it's because it's something that's like giving you genuine anxiety and you're not flip about it because you know that (laughs) it drives me crazy enough that you wouldn't be flip about it. totally. Totally.
1: Can we talk about Big Magic by Elizabeth yes, Gilbert? Which please. we both read. And after a couple of different people had been really enthusiastic about it, I think especially around the new year, it was it's like a common read because it's sort of a self-help book for creatives to get people... Into a creative practice. Yeah, exactly. And you and I both had mixed feelings about it. Felt like it was a worthwhile read, but there are certain elements that just didn't speak to us. Totally. But the one one of the things that I really liked about it was her writing about perfectionism and basically perfectionism as fear. And she writes, I think perfectionism is just a high-end haute couture version of fear. I think perfectionism is just fear in fancy shoes and a mink coat pretending to be elegant when actually it's just terrified. Which also speaks to me because I think so much about fear in general, and like fear is a driving force and how fear shouldn't be a factor in one's
0: decision making. and and I was like, you can't oh. do things out of fear like exactly. Yeah. And this is like we've talked about this in conversations about whether or not to have a kid and like yes. how you had to extract fear from that equation. Yeah. Anyway. Exactly.
1: So she goes on, we don't have time for perfect. In any event, perfection is unachievable. It's a myth and a trap and a hamster wheel that will run you to death. Rebecca Solnit puts it well. So many of us believe in perfection, which ruins everything else because the perfect is not only the enemy of good, it's also the enemy of the realistic, the possible and the fun, which is so helpful in a way I had never, ever thought about perfectionism as a form of fear. And I think it's absolutely right. And when I go back to like a lot of hard decisions I've had to make in the past, I can think, oh, it wasn't just fear that was driving that. It was a a feeling that I have to be perfect. And when I look at so many people that I admire when when it comes to their output, I don't care whether it's like I admire the stuff they put on Instagram, the way they dress, The work that they do, I look and I'm like, they don't care about being perfect. Like that doesn't seem important to them. That doesn't seem to
0: be like hamstringing them.
1: And often the thing that is holding me back from like being more like those people I admire, I think
0: is fear of looking imperfect and fear of not
1: being good. And and the uh, the important like part, like framing for all of this and the reason why Elizabeth Gilbert is writing about it because she's saying so many people don't pursue their creative passions because they fear they're not going to be good at it. And guess what? That doesn't matter. You aren't going to be good at it. You, you absolutely will put out so much crap. And that is not the point. The point is the practice. And so she's really like, uh, sort of rallying against this idea of perfectionism and against this idea of fear as rendering one as being like a huge blocker to being a a person who, who practices creativity creativity in their life. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Which I think I was like, wow, it's so true. I, I, to keep monologuing for a minute please please you know I used to do so much art like visual art you know all through high school and college and grad school I was in painting classes and ceramic classes and then I would do it in my spare time all the time and then once we started of a kind like that becomes all consuming and I've stopped doing it and one of my biggest blockers to getting back into it to just like Making a practice out of sketching has been that you're really bad at it when you start doing it again. Yes. Like, if you haven't done it for so long, it looks like crap. And I'm like, how was I better as a 16 year old than I am as a 37 year old? And but it's because it's, 20 years have passed. Of course. But it's also <laughs> yeah. not fun to be bad yeah. at something. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And you really have to get back through that hump. It is also absolutely the same with. Exercise or sports, yes. you get yes. out of it for a while. If you want to get back into it, you are going to be bad at it for a while and you have to be okay with that. And you can't be afraid of that. You just have to accept it. It's like any practice. And so reading that was really helpful for me to be like, this isn't, you're not showing this to anybody. It doesn't have to be good. There's no reason it has to be perfect. Just like get through that.
0: The quote from Big Magic that really spoke to me, in addition to the two that you just shared. Mm-hmm was no matter how many hours you spend attempting to render something flawless, somebody will always be able to find fault with it. So good. It's so duh, like, of course, but it's like in so many ways in Aiming for Perfection, I think what I try to do is to eliminate criticism Mm -hmm. um, or to escape the like possibility of criticism. And it's like saying instead of like never read the comments, it's like, what if I make it so good that the comments will all be good? (laughs)
1: Totally. I she does a really good job at talking about us. I'm so glad you brought it up because other things she says, and this is not verbatim, but at some point she says, What other people think about your work is actually none of your business. Which I was yes. Wow. That felt like a really novel concept to me.
0: So you were talking about Oh, that like, you just need to do the thing and not worry about if you're good at it or mm-hmm. not worry about like how it feels in the beginning. And then one of the things that I feel realize that I get hung up at, on when I start to think about doing the thing is how doing the thing will tug at other parts of my life hmm. or will like take attention away from those things that I'm also trying to maintain a certain hmm. like level with or bar with or like, well, if I'm going to drop that ball, if I pick up this one or whatever, yeah. um, if I dedicate this thing time or energy or headspace, how will, how will that like butterfly effect.
1: Right. Will will other parts of your life be
0: imperfect? Exactly. Will other mm-hmm. parts of my life be imperfect? And there was this Twitter thread that I read recently that was like someone asking for advice on writing a novel or something. Mm-hmm. And there were multiple people in the comments of this thread that were like, stop doing housework. There's your <laughs> time. Just like have a fucking messy house. And like, that's your three hours a week or whatever to like yep. pick up your writing practice or your painting practice or whatever. And just accept that that is going to be a reality, at least for yep. a stretch of time until you get into the habit.
1: That's so good. I just good. loved it. I just I love like, loved
0: it and thought it was super, super useful.
1: There's a book that I've been meaning to read forever because people really love it. It's by Tiffany Dufu and it's called Drop the Ball. And it is specifically for women who I think are plagued by this idea of perfectionism and having a clean house and having the kids at soccer on time and all of that. And as I understand it, the core thesis of this book is drop a ball, like having a, like, like having a clean house or whatever it is, you are going to have to drop the balls and be imperfect in order to have the life that you want and to do all the things that you want to do. And I really love
0: that concept. Speaking of clean homes, can we Mm -hmm. talk about perfectionism as an aesthetic?
1: Oh, please. In beauty,
0: home, fashion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
1: I just feel like when I thought about it, I was like, wow, millennials, like in all of our aesthetic pursuits are so plagued by perfectionism. Like we are the straightening iron generation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Like that to me, I was
1: like, when I thought about flat irons, and the hair that we all had to have in high school, I was like, oh my God, no wonder we're all so fucked up. <laughs> I just, and then it became having all white, minimal, everything.
0: It, white that bedding. Was the new you iron. know what's hard to maintain? White sheets. Like, <laughs> it's beautiful. It gets stained. <laughs> That's the whole thing about it being white. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just, it,
1: it was just like, whoa. And then we became the generation of like mom influencers who were like, look how cute and clean and perfect, my baby and my home are and my crudite plate. And the entire like aesthetic that Instagram sort of like made its name in that was all about filtering stuff so that it looked perfect, so that it looked really art directed. Like, I feel like you can follow this thread from millennials to Gen Z where like which goes from the Instagram aesthetic, which was so perfect, to the TikTok, the TikTok aesthetic, aesthetic, aesthetic yeah. which is like messy fucking rooms and stickers mm-hmm. over your pimples to be like, look, it's right here. My yeah. pimples right Starface. Here. here we yeah, go. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And we're going to darken our under eye circles. And like, and now it's like, it's so uncool or it's just like, it's so out of, out of vogue to be using filters on your, pictures, right? And it's like face filters are a whole other
0: conversation, like that kind of filter. But yeah, 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 we don't don't
1: put Sienna on our pictures anymore.
0: That's right. That's right. What do you think of as like the ideal imperfect aesthetic?
1: It's a really good question. And I feel like I'm going to be missing some, but to me, when I think about like the imperfect aesthetic that I aspire to have that I will never be able to get. It's the Call Me By Your Name Villa. Ooh,
0: yeah, okay, okay. Right,
1: like it's just, it is totally the opposite of my home. It is cluttered. It is messy. they are like
0: stacks of music on top of that piano.
1: Exactly. And it's like the house is crumbling and it is impossibly chic. Like it's just, and I think part of what works about it so is is like nobody is trying to be perfect it all just naturally came together that way these like mandarin oranges are just tumbling off of plates and into the
0: pool and like like your neighbors pop by for a drink unannounced and like of course that's fine because you have half a plum tort over there and like a bottle of wine already open
1: i'm clapping that's exactly (laughs) right and it's like of course the the tour is not perfect. It's like it's half eaten.
0: It's like it's it's just there. And there's
1: crumbs all over the plate. But like here it is. It's extremely European. Um, Extremely. And like, I just love, I love that idea of being the hostess that doesn't feel the need to shove all my clutter in a closet before everyone comes over because my clutter is so chic.
0: Unfortunately, my clutter (laughs) is not that chic. Um, well, I don't think anybody's clutter is really that chic, but I think that there is a certain amount of just like leaning into it that yeah, is happening.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I like, I need, I think one could spend some more time exploring what all of that means, but uh, it feels very French. It feels very Italian to me. And it's not me. I also, I also think of people who are really good at having frizzy hair, mm-hmm. who I want to be I want to have less perfect hair like I want to have frizzy weird waves that are kinky but I like first of all it took me so long to figure out how to have polished hair like as a person like anyone with curly hair knows it's such a journey to land on your hair that I think in some ways I'm like unwilling to sacrifice it slash have also adjusted to the polish that I'm now I'm like I
0: can't have imperfect frizzy hair but god I
1: love when other people do
0: Totally. Well, I think, you know, at least like appreciating some of these things from afar, even if you're like not like practicing them is Mm -hmm. part of the journey. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Like I really appreciate that so many people on Instagram or like so many home publications are starting to share more just like, spaces that are just like not that fucking styled and like feel a little sloppier or feel like they weren't, pro- they weren't like professionally done. It wasn't We're- like interior <laughs> design to shit, you know?
1: Remember when Amy Astley was like widely lauded for showing the first unmade bed in Architectural Digest? Claire, of course. Um
0: and I also like I'm Claire, glad that we've we moved as a culture. <laughs> I'm so glad that we've moved beyond like a rumpled bed being like yeah. so like look how lived in this house is that <laughs> you know 14 interior designers put together like oh my mm. god they sleep in that bed can you imagine right. I, I think it's part of what uh made it the like comedy of the Drake Architectural Digest yes. home what it was because mm. that was just it was like so preposterous because who in their right mind wants to look like they're living in a hotel lobby? Like, we finally <laughs> acknowledge that that is both uncool and yep. unachievable. Like, yep. that's just not... oh, Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. All that mm-hmm. fucking polished chrome? No, thank yeah. you. No, nobody wants it. It's also uncomfortable. <laughs> of course. Yeah. It's <laughs> not of fun. Of course. Yeah. Um, and I think that, like, that, like, perfectionism is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Like, there's no wow. comfort wow. in that. wow yes, Erica.
1: Yeah. That's right. There's just like no (laughs)
0: comfort in that. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Something else I wanted to bring up was the embrace of like visible mending and sashiko and kintsugi and these other ways of being like, I'm going to highlight the imperfections and I'm going to show off that this thing is like beautiful because it is not perfect, which I think is like such important and interesting progress.
1: It is actually really interesting point to bring up. So like kintsugi is, you know, a, this like Japanese method of when when a ceramic breaks or something breaks, you fill in the cracks with gold. You highlight the cracks instead of to hide them. And sashiko is a mending method of mending fabrics where like you make the patch part of the design and the pa- the, the mending is part of the, the stitching. Design. Yeah. Yeah. The stitching. And I it's interesting because when we were just talking about call your name and I was saying, oh, this feels so European to be messy or imperfect in that way. Mentally, what I was thinking is it's like the opposite, right, of this like really perfect, sharp angle, minimalist, Eastern aesthetic. Yeah. When in fact, these things that you just brought up, like Kansugi and Sashiko, are Eastern, like they're Japanese, and
0: yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And that's its own form of embracing imperfection that just looks different
0: from from the European one. Um, totally, so we all we
1: all have these ways of of glorifying imperfection.
0: Totally. And like but I mean I think that one of the interesting things about the sashiko and the visible mending and all of that mm-hmm. is that it's like also it's like a little bit seeking perfection in the imperfection like I don't mm, know how to put a mm-hmm. finger on it exactly mm-hmm. but it's like it is like really trying to glorify that in a way that is also inaccessible and unachievable <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know it's like this it's Yeah. Yeah, it's a ouroboros kind of, situation. Like yeah, no that's <laughs> it, a great point and I do think
1: that that is what kind of makes this Gen Z aesthetic so interesting and sort of still a riddle to me because it it is just ugly as shit. Like yeah. these, like, the way these kids show their totally effed up bedrooms. Like, I don't... To talk yet again about Ella Emhoff, um, who we discussed, referenced on a last episode, she was Instagramming for her from her bedroom the other day. And I was like, good Lord, this thing is a mess and so cluttered. (laughs) And there's this ugly black cord coming out of the thing and she doesn't care. And I was just like- She didn't move it? She didn't move the cord? (laughs) She didn't move the cord out of the way. And I was just like, wow, okay. And I really, it's not, to your point, Kintsugi, it's not Sashiko. She's not trying to like make it look like something it's not. It's just like, there's my fucking black cord because that's my life because I live here. Um, Yes. Which I think is interesting and- and fairly new, which also like bring to like to talk about Ella Emhoff as this like style icon. It does come back to this concept that Elizabeth Gilbert talks about where like perfectionism is masquerading as fear. And then the inverse becomes, it's like there's something deeply aspirational about people who dress and present themselves in a way that is not at all perfect, but who do it without fear. And like, yes, with just uh, the utmost confidence because, and like, we all know those people where you're like, that person showed up with frizzy hair and like messy, weird clothes. And they looked so cool. I mean, in a lot of ways, this is like at the core of the grunge and the rocker aesthetic. It's just like, if you do it with confidence,
0: you look great. This is like how a normal core took off.
1: Exactly, exactly, exactly. And it's just like, the reason that is aspirational is because that person is fearless and and, and not just fearless, but they don't care about being perfect. They don't care what you think. And therefore you think highly of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. It also brings to mind this very valid complaint that you hear of like successful men can be schlubby as shit. They're like allowed to dress schlubby and men in general, like even not successful men can show up to work looking schlubby, but women can never get away with this. Can we talk about
0: where we go from here? How do we adjust our thinking? What's our way forward? Like all of that.
1: Can you Um, tell me?
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was reading, I was like looking in my Feedly for Mm -hmm. like a... discussions about perfectionism and the blog Wit and Delight did a series of posts on being a recovering perfectionist this Love January that. yeah um and there are a couple of posts including one from a non-perfection from someone who d- identifies as a non-perfectionist but in a perfectionist culture um, mm. who's been forced to like adapt and uh basically like extricate some of the creativity from her work and from her process in order to fit into a perfectionist mold um uh, mm. we will link to it it's super interesting.
1: Also, for context, if you don't know who Witten Delight was, she was one of the like really early design influencers and like specifically like I think really helped shape the Instagram aesthetic because she's like this interiors and graphic design sort of influencer who really like nailed that early Instagram vibe of like, it's all just so perfect and just so. Um, So it's interesting for her to be the one addressing this.
0: Yes, exactly. That's very, that's very right. So her name's Kate Ahrens and in her initial post about this, she says that perfectionism assumes there is no room for growth or pursuing an activity just for the pleasure of it, which God is just like, spoke to that idea that you were talking about with sketching. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and like, you know, I live with a most of the time hobbyist, um, (laughs) who sees so much value in pursuing activities for the pleasure of it. I think I've gotten a little bit better about that, especially when it comes to physical or athletic things, Mm -hmm. because as I've gotten older, I've realized the benefits that those things have beyond being good at them. Mm -hmm. Um, but as a kid, you're like dissuaded from doing playing sports or whatever, if you don't excel, which is just like such a, Oh, it's backwards a way of thinking
1: point. it's a great point eric and it like may well be why i a big part of the reason i never discovered the joy of exercise until i was in my mid-20s like, yes
0: for sure yeah why yeah. like why can't like a kid take dance classes all through high school or whatever just because they like dance not because right. they want to dance scholarship not yeah. because they're ever going to be a soloist mm-hmm. just because they like like it like right. that's valid yeah absolutely Anyway, I need to do a better job of applying this idea more broadly to other things. Like when I was younger, I did a lot of like craft stuff. And I think that maybe I would be doing more bad craft projects if I could just get the fuck over myself. Like, Who cares if the thing is good?
1: Well, yeah. And I also, who cares if the thing has utility? I think something you and I have talked about this before and we talk about it a lot amongst ourselves, but we do have this feeling because of the nature of our work that we need to be constantly doing and exploring activities and products, et cetera, that might make for good content in the newsletter or the the podcast. And it can be, and because that has become such a big part of our lives, it can be really hard to feel like, oh, I'm going to just work on this craft project that I'm not going to put in the newsletter and I'm never going to Instagram it.
0: And that like doesn't meet my aesthetic standards. Yeah. Also. Of something that I want to hang on the wall in my house or that I want to like wear or like whatever. Like, I don't know. But I think, yeah. It brings
1: it back full circle to this idea of like, once again, perfectionism is just a like a key part of this whole capitalist structure that says, like, we have to be working. We have to be, like, producing output. And I have output. to be,
0: like, doing something with Exactly. Thing. Exactly. Like, and it has crazy. to be good. It has to be worth it. Right? Totally. Yeah. Totally. And that I, like, would need to share this publicly. I don't need to share this publicly. Like, I don't need to, like, seek positive reinforcement for this thing. We have a friend who makes quilts um, and who doesn't share them anywhere. And we would have never known that she made quilts if she hadn't told us. And there's something to me that's like sort of cool about having like a sleuth hobby, you know, it's very cool. Another quote from this post that I wanted to share. If 2020 has taught us anything, it's how swiftly our well-intentioned goals and plans can be tossed out the window. Perfect plans don't exist. Goals are meant to be flexible. Life happens and learning to become adaptable in our approach is something we can all stand to do a little bit more. Mm. This quote just like really landed for me this week because I was talking about or with a family member who was going through a really rough patch because she's processing the ways in which her life just like isn't lining up to these perfectly laid plans of hers. Mm -hmm. And in having this conversation with her the whole time, I just kept being like, the problem is your plans. The problem is not your life. The problem is your plans. And should we Mm -hmm. all just be like putting less pressure on ourselves to make plans for what we think our lives are going to be for what we think makes a perfect life for like all of that.
1: Wow, Erica. As someone who has <laughs> never been able to formulate a five-year plan for like my life or my businesses and has felt a fair amount of shame around that, I really like your framing because I'm like, I'm also not setting myself up for failure or disappointment yeah. in, in, when i like, it doesn't mean I'm you can't, can't have that. goals yeah. or you yeah. doesn't
0: mean you can't have things that you like want to do or want to achieve or yeah. want to work toward or whatever. But like plans are just like that are bound to fail. And that's yeah. just like, I don't know. It it just sets you up on a bad course, I think. Um, yeah, true, yeah. true. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to say about this yes. and something that you brought up a little bit earlier is that you and I both marvel and often discuss people who have impressive creative output, even mm-hmm. if we don't love or even really like all of the mm. things they put out.
1: Yes, like really admire some people whose work I don't care for at all just yes. because of how much they do it and how disciplined and like committed they are to it.
0: And it's like someone who has like a new podcast show out like every yeah. like six months or a new mm-hmm. book out like mm-hmm. once a year. And you're like, man, this person just like cranks. Yes. Uh, yes. A little bit. And like, I think that that can be aspiring. I don't know. Like, I like the idea of being prolific. Me too. Totally. The, like, yeah. Of that Like that being the aim. Well, and because...
1: It it gets back to what Elizabeth Gilbert is talking about too, where she's like half of being an artist of being a creative person, just sitting down and doing the thing and churning it out and recognizing that it's not going to be perfect. And there's something really admirable about that in part because so few people are able to do it because so many people get caught up in their own ideas of like what the thing should be and what perfect looks like. and, And that perfect is important. And it's like, it is really less about like changing what perfect looks like to you and more about realizing that like perfect shouldn't be the goal.
0: Yes. Yes. And I just think that the idea of prolific is coming from a place of like abundance and Mm -hmm. plenty. That is a good place to be coming from
1: for sure. Absolutely.
0: Anyway, that's we want your thoughts on this episode. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We absolutely want your thoughts. uh, Because I feel like we just raised a lot of questions, but didn't have a lot of
0: answers. (laughs) That's right. That's the show.